My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills, and we're continuing our message series called Gathering Wood. This series is all about revival, and, and don't misunderstand, we don't create revival. Revival is God's work, okay, not our work. It's the move of the Holy Spirit. What our job is, is to be prepared for God to move, to be, if you will, gathering wood, right? Because God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God lights the fires of revival. We're supposed to be that, that wood that's ready to, to burn for God's glory, that as hearts that are prepared for his movement in our midst. So that's what we're talking about. Last week, we talked about the fact that God calls us to repentance, because all of us mess up from time to time. We sin, we fall short of God's glory. And so God calls us to turn our hearts towards him. Now, repentance, remember, it's kind of a, a military term. It's, it means about face, right? So you're walking this way, and you hear God's conviction in your heart, and you turn the other way, right? We don't just stop and think about it or ponder our circumstances or whatnot. Nope, I want to turn back towards you, God. I want to go the direction that you are calling me to go. That's what repentance is all about. Today we're going to talk about the fact that powerful prayers precede revival. Powerful prayers precede revival. And I know you're probably not shocked by that. You're not like, wait, what? There's a connection between prayer and revival? Never saw that coming. Probably not. You prob probably made the connection. But it's one of those things that is easier, perhaps, to comprehend than it is to live out. There's a lot of things in life that we know that we should do, we know are beneficial for us to do, and yet we struggle to do them. Putting it into action can be a challenge, and I think sometimes this is true in our prayer lives, that we know we should pray, we believe in the power of prayer, we talk about prayer, we even sing about prayer, but maybe we don't spend as much time with it as what God's calling us to do. The book of James says it this way, you have not because you ask not. It's convicting when you think about it. How many things does our Heavenly Father want to do for us? Want to, how many ways does God want to move in our lives, but the things may not happen because we don't ask, because we don't seek Him earnestly, because we don't put our hearts in that kind of a position to be ready for His movement? in our lives. It's tragic, really. You know, every single Sunday, we pray a prayer in here, right? And we say, your kingdom come, your will be done, here on earth as it is in heaven. When you think about it, that really is a, a prayer for revival. It's a prayer for God to move in our midst, that his kingdom would come, his will would be done right here on earth like it is in heaven. It's really kind of a dangerous prayer when you think about it. Do you want that in your life? Do you want that strong of a movement of, your, of, of God in your life? Do you really long for that? Are you serious about it enough to pray for it on a regular basis, to put in the work, if you will, of prayer? And when I say work, I don't mean in a pejorative kind of way. Work is a good thing, and in any relationship, Communication is the key to success, right? Prayer is one of the, if not, is the primary way that we communicate with God. So if we want to have a strong relationship with God, we must put in the work, if you will, of prayer. 
to make that investment, to, to pray, not just here in church, it's a great start, but to throughout the week. What if you set aside a time every day? Maybe you say, you know, honestly, I don't really pray. Well, a really simple way to apply this today is to commit right now to a time that you'll do that. And if you start with 30 seconds, thanks be to God. Whatever God calls you to do, whether it's in the morning or whether it's in the evening before you go to bed or a certain time in the day that works for you, to seek the Lord. Say, Lord, here I am. I want to know you. I want to see your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth, here in my life as it is in heaven. Maybe as I talk about this stuff, for some of you, you're hearing affirmation of what you already do. And praise God for that. That's awesome. I'm so thankful we have so many prayer warriors in this church who are so committed and so invested in this work of prayer. And, and it, is, it is the backbone behind every single ministry. It is. For others, maybe you hear this and you feel some conviction in your heart. You're like, ah, oh, dang it. I, I know I need to do that, but the fact is I, I don't really do it. Maybe you're feeling some guilt, some shame. That's not, that's not the point. This isn't a mess, message of shame. It's a message of hope. For all of us can grow in this area. This is something we all truly can do. And if we want to see God move in our midst, we've got to be committed to, to, uh, to prayer and to see how God will move. And, you know, maybe depending on our personalities, for some of us this may be a little easier than others. Uh, for me, I'm somebody who is a doer. Uh, that's my nature. It's kind of my wiring. Um, it, I love to, when I go home, I love to fix stuff on the house or the cars. It's like my favorite thing to do in life. I know you may say, oh, that's terrible, but it, I like it. It's my wiring. And so for me, something like prayer is not my first default, to be honest. Like, I want to go do stuff for God, right? Like, that's a great, we can talk later, but let's do something, right? But God calls us to have hearts that are committed to prayer, to be invested. So for me this year, we, staff at Anderson Hills, we all make goals. And one of my goals is that each day when I come in here, uh, that, uh, that I will spend my first 30 minutes in prayer. I often come into this room, and I sit where you sit, and I pray for you, and I pray that God would move this Sunday in our services. Or I go over to the Contemporary Worship Center, or occasionally to Salem, Sometimes I walk around the property. If you see me wandering aimlessly around the property, it's probably what I'm doing. I'm not lost, right? I, I just believe in the power of prayer. And I know that I'm called to it, that you're called to it. And oftentimes I get it right, but sometimes I don't. In fact, to be honest, the past couple weeks, I haven't done so great with it. I've been real hit or miss. And I just confess that because if I'm going to talk to you about this, I've got to be honest with you that I have to work at this too. And so I'm praying for you that you would grow in this. And would you pray for me, too, that I would grow with you in this, that we would all grow closer to the Lord in prayer because it is so essential. There's nothing, nothing more important that we could be doing than giving our lives to prayer. In fact, sometimes I, I'll, I'll talk to folks, who, especially folks who are, are getting up there in years a little bit, and they'll say, the only thing I can do anymore is just pray. And you know, I don't think that's the right way to say it. <laughs> because prayer is the best thing 
that you could possibly do. If you can just pray, you're, that's not a bad thing. That's not a limitation. You're doing the number one thing. You're doing the best thing that could possibly be done for the ministries of this church, for your own life, for your family. That's number one. That's the best. There's nothing greater that you could possibly be doing. Nothing greater than you could be investing your life. Past couple days, I snuck away kind of unexpectedly back to Illinois where uh, Jennifer and I are from uh, many years back. I went back there kind of unplanned because uh, some of you know that, that my mom has uh, been dealing with cancer the past year and a half, and, and we're getting close to the end. We're in those times where it's really difficult, and I know many of you know that in your own life or your family's life. And so we went back, we're preparing her to move into what will be her final home here on earth. And we were talking and reflecting, and as, as we talk, and I, I hear her talk so much about prayer and about faith and about how she continues to pray. And my mom's prayed for me my whole life. What a blessing. What a gift. And I'm telling you, friends, it's not just prayer. It really changes lives. It does. And if that's all you can do, well, I thank God for you. And I thank God for that investment. I, I read someone recently who was, they, they said that ages 60 to 80, that people look at them often as kind of like retirement time, like somehow like the, their value has somehow diminished. But that's not true. That I, I, this author said that 60 to 80 is known as kingdom prime time, kingdom of God prime time in your life. What if, what if you make, what if you could make an even greater investment in God's kingdom than you could during your, your working life or your earlier life? What if your best days are right now? And this author, if you're over 80, well, you're not off the hook. They said that 80 plus is kingdom super prime. So <laughs> that's you. And man, I believe it. If, if prayer is the greatest thing we could do, we need your prayers. We need your serving. We need your, your, your giving in so many different ways. This church is fueled by your faithfulness. And I'm not trying to let uh, younger people or us middle-aged people off the hook. I almost said us younger people, but I'm in the middle-aged category now. I just, I got to own that. But we're not trying to let the rest of us off the hook. We've got our stuff to do too. But don't let anybody tell you. Don't ever believe, don't believe the lie of Satan that you aren't useful to the kingdom of God anymore. That's nonsense. As long as you've got breath, God wants to use you. God is using you. The praying that you do for this church may be the most important thing that happens here. Hey, today we're celebrating graduates. We're celebrating uh, first service uh, it was new members. Uh, throughout uh, other services, we're baptizing people today. And each one of those things tells me that God is on the move. Yes, those people all had to work. They had to put in effort too. But God is on the move. That God is changing lives. That God has sustained our high schoolers. That God has strengthened them. That he's brought them to the place that they're at. And you know why? Because people are praying for them. I know it because I got one in my own household. And it's true. The power of your prayers are life-changing, okay? And, and, and I know it when I see people baptized. Lives are changed. People coming to faith in Jesus. People making that step, saying, I am a follower of Jesus. 
It only happens because of God's work, the power of prayer. It's, it's revival in our midst, and, and it doesn't happen by my strength or by, by the fact that we have a nice building here or any of that stuff. It happens because of the power of prayer. There's a lot of nice, big, empty church buildings out there, okay? Having a building, a location, a pastor, whatever, is not what it's all about. It's about the move of the Holy Spirit right here in our midst. If anything worthwhile is going to happen at this church, it's not here. It's because of God. It's because of God's power, and your prayers are the fuel behind that, that power. I know that people are praying for this church because I see the fruit. I know people are praying for this church because there's times I feel it. There's often times during the week I'll be feeling a little tired or whatever, whatnot, and I can just sense you praying for me. I know that you are. It makes a difference. Don't ever, don't ever fall into the belief that that stuff doesn't matter. It matters more than anything. You know, I, I get to preach sermons, and, and I get to stand by the door and say goodbye to you, and uh, oftentimes many of you will say things about how God used the message to, to touch your life, and, and you'll thank me, which is kind of you, but I like to think of it this way. If anything useful comes out of a sermon, it's only by God's Word and by the Holy Spirit working in your life. That's what does the work, really. Because anything that, that I say or write, is I've, I've started by saying, God, would you speak through me? I don't want to say anything that's not of you. I just want your words. And I believe that that comes because of the power of our prayers, that God speaks in response to our prayers. So if God touches a life through a sermon, when somebody thanks me, I need to be thanking those who are praying, because it's your work that makes that all possible. It's your work in prayer that I believe inspires God to move in great and mighty ways. Psalm 63 it's, uh, it's an interesting psalm, and we know some things about this psalm. If you open it in your Bible, you'll see right below the word Psalm 63, there's what's called a superscript, the little words that go before the psalm that give us some background, right? Kind of like a post-it note on that thing. And it says on this psalm, it says that it is a psalm of King David. So king, not just David. So we know that at this point in his life, he is the king because he wrote psalms before he was the king. Psalm of King David, while he was in the wilderness of Judah. Now that's interesting, because kings don't belong out in the wilderness. Kings would live in their palaces. Kings would work there in the government. Kings would go out to battle. Kings just didn't go out and spend a lot of time in the wilderness. It's not really a very kingly thing to do. So what's David doing here? Well, this gives us a clue as to when he wrote the psalm because we know when he was in the wilderness because the historical books of the Bible tell us. What had happened is David was getting advanced in years and in his reign. He was about to come to an end and his own son Absalom was leading a revolt against him. Absalom had become so powerful, David had fled into the wilderness for Absalom had an army behind him Life was really bad for David at this point. Imagine how difficult and painful that must be. Imagine how angry he could have felt with God. But let's just see what David has to say in the midst of this. Psalm 63. You, God, are my God. 
Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I love that, right? He's literally in a dry and parched land where there is no water. That's where he's residing at the moment. He's probably pretty thirsty. Maybe you felt thirsty like this before, right? You've been, you've been out maybe hiking and you ran out of water and you're so thirsty and you've got to get water soon. You just don't know if you're going to make it otherwise. Or maybe another time in your life you can remember just thirsting so much. This is how he describes his desire for God. It's not like, you know, I could use some more of the Lord sometime. I'll get around to it. No. He says, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. Verse 2, I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I love that. Your love is better than life. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God's love is actually better than life? Because oftentimes we treat God's love like it's one of the many good things in life. (laughs) It's so much more than that. It's, it's not equal, it's not comparable, it's not on the plane as anything else in life. His love is better than life. So his love should be the first thing that we seek. The thing that we seek the most, it's truly better than life. Verse 4, I'll praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I lift up my hands like, like a child, right? When a little child sees mom or dad, they lift up their hands, right? They want to be picked up by them. They're acknowledging, I need you. I want you. I love you. Won't you hold me? Won't you hold me close? That's what we're saying to God here. That's what David is saying to God here. Verse 5, I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of food, with the singing lips My mouth will praise you. I like that. Think of a great meal that you've had. Know how you felt afterwards? You felt full. You felt satisfied. This is what he compares knowing God to. So we sing praises to God. Verse 6, on my bed I remember you. I think of you as through the watches of the night. Maybe you've been there before. You can't fall asleep. It's a great time to pray. Yesterday morning God woke me up way earlier than I needed to be up. Just telling me I needed to pray. That's exactly what I laid there and did. We, we pray to God. We can find him anywhere. And finally, verse 7 here, because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. In verse 8, I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Let me just read it through one more time. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. And I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name I will lift up my hands. I'll be fully satisfied as with the riches of food. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. On my bed I'll remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. It's desperation. It's a real heartfelt desperation for God. Do you have that? Do you have that in your life? I'm reminded of a story. I can't remember if I've told you or not. It's one of my faves, so sorry if I'm repeating it. 
but it's a story of, a, of the philosopher, the great Greek philosopher Socrates. He was once out uh, with one of his students, and they were sitting beside a pond there, a beautiful pond on a very calm day. Socrates shared some wisdom with the young man, and, and the man said, oh, thank you, great Socrates. How can I have that kind of wisdom? Socrates said, well, take a look at your reflection in the water. So the young man, he leans down and he looks at his, himself in, in the water and it seems like a strange way to get wisdom, right? And he's sitting there staring at his reflection and Socrates takes his hand and he places it on the back of the young man's head and he shoves it under the water, which is not what the young man was expecting at that moment. But it's Socrates, right? You got to go with the flow here, right? He knows what he's doing. So his head's underwater and... Pretty soon he realizes he needs a breath because he didn't really get a breath before that sneak attack, right? And so, so he tries to sit up to get a breath and old Socrates holds his head under even harder, right? Now he's getting desperate. His, his body is telling him he's got to breathe. He can't make it if he doesn't get another breath. So he's fighting and he's pushing and he's trying to get back up. But Socrates is holding his head down because those philosophers are tougher than you give them credit for, right? He's holding him under the water. And just as the young man feels like he's going to pass out, Socrates pulls him back up. He takes the biggest breath of his life, and he says, Socrates, what is wrong with you? Are you trying to kill me? Socrates looks at him, and he says, Son, if you want to have wisdom, you must desire wisdom more than you wanted your next breath. <laughs> That's a big desire, isn't it? I think that's even more true of our desire for the Lord. That if, if we want to see revival, if we want to see change, whether in our lives, in our family's lives, in our church's life, we, <coughs> we've got to want it more than we want that next breath. We've got to want it so desperately that we say, Lord, I'm in. I'm all in for you. I'm tired of seeking everything else in this world. I want to seek you first and your kingdom first. I want to give myself to you above all other things. I'm tired of chasing everything that this world is, is leading me to chase. I just want you, Jesus. I want to know you. I want to experience, I want to experience you. I want to experience revival in my own life. Are you there, friend? Because you know... It's kind of a dangerous thing to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Sometimes we talk about revival like it's this novelty or nicety. Oh, wouldn't it be nice to experience? <laughs> this is the power of God. This is not a little show that you go to. This is not a little thing you just ask for everything. This is the life-changing power of God. This is a live wire, friends. This is God's power in our lives. Do you want it? Will you seek it? Will you put that pursuit above every other pursuit in your life? Because there's nothing more valuable. There's nothing better. There's nothing that we should desire more than that move of God in our lives. I want to pray 
How stupid would it be to talk about praying for revival and not to pray for revival? So we can pray right here in this space. You can pray at home right where you're at with your family or by yourself wherever you are. I just invite you to seek the Lord with us. So come, Holy Spirit. Do what only you can do. Won't you move in our hearts, move in our midst? We want to begin just by confessing. If there's any sin in our hearts, any ways that we're choosing to disobey you, we just want to confess that in our hearts to you right now. My friends, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. He gave his life to take all that stuff and so much more. He gave his life so that you no longer need to be a slave to sin. You are not a slave. You are a son. You are a daughter, adopted by the Most High when you give your life to Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, for that gift. It's a gift so much greater than we could ever ask or imagine. Lord, we are asking for a move of your Spirit in our midst, for a powerful move of your Spirit, God. We're asking that you would move as only you could move and in exactly the ways that you'd want to move. God, we're just here. We are here for you. We're not here to make a name or a platform for ourselves. We just want you, Jesus. We just want you. We're asking that when people enter this place, that they would experience the power of the Holy Spirit, that they would not be impressed by us, not be impressed by a building, not be impressed by organs or music or all these wonderful things, but that they would be overwhelmed by your power, God. That's why we do all these things. We just want you. We are hungry. We are thirsty. We are desperate for your move, God. For on our own, we have nothing to offer. I have nothing of value to give, God. But in you, I have everything. Lord, we pause to give you thanks for the faithful who have lifted up this church for decade after decade, generation after generation. Some of us are, they're looking down in heaven on us now. Their faithfulness is why we're here today because you moved through them. Won't you do it through us too, God? that all who would come behind us would, would find us faithful, faithful to follow you, to seek you. God, would we be a praying congregation, a congregation that is so sold out for the power of prayer, for the work of prayer, that we would truly seek you first 
and then all of these other things would be added to us. God, we just want you. We want you first. I pray for those who may have believed the lie that their best kingdom days are behind them. Not so. Not so, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would be moving in their hearts, moving in their minds, that you would inspire them to pray, that you would inspire them, if they can, to serve or to give, Lord, to whatever it is you, you call them to, God. May they never buy into that lie that our society says that it's all about the young people. Lord, I pray, I pray that we would all be a church together, young, old, together. I pray that you would use every single one of us till we breathe our last breath, God, that we would be seeking you. And then when we seek you, that we would find you. Thank you, God, for the legacy of faithfulness. Do it again. Do more. Do greater. Move by the power of your Holy Spirit as only you can move. God, we love you, and we pray all of this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.